Hello readers, do you like our show? Have our ramblings made you chuckle? If so, please take a minute and rate us on iTunes. It will help us out and help other people discover the show. Don't worry, no matter how many people start listening, you'll still be our favorite reader. From the front to the back as pages turn, reading is a very fresh way to learn. readers and welcome to epilogue the book after party my name is emily i'm liz (laughs) megan and emily (laughs) and today we're going to talk about book news we have had a little sabbatical and so some of the book news is a bit stale but we're still going to talk about some of the more important ones um first of all uh, there's an article about Guillermo del Toro and uh, defending a lawsuit about the shape of water being uh, plagiarized. Now, this person who has this lawsuit, his he says his play, which is called Let Me Hear You Whisper, has been plagiarized and become the movie The Shape of Water. His play follows a cleaning lady at an animal experimentation plant who wants to set a dolphin free when it's slated for brain dissection, which is the plot of Free Willy and not um, the plot of The Shape of does Water. Does she fuck the dolphin? That's, that yeah, was my if question. If you don't fuck that fish, then it's not The Shape of Water. That yeah, that was like I'm. That's free willy. That's not the shape of water. Sorry. To be fair, I don't think they want to cut uh, Willie's brain open and free willy. No, but I think he they just want to like profiteer off of him. It's very he, like it, it's a, Disney. It's a, he's an attraction. Yeah, he's it, not going anywhere. It's a you know, it's a telecom situation. But in general, I feel like it is not. The Shape of Water. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're fighting it, and Guillermo del Toro, I always have trouble with his name, keeps on saying, like, I've never heard of this play before, which I believe him. Like, I'm pretty um, pretty comfortable saying he's probably right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they're not the same at all. Like, does she fall in love with the dolphin, or... I mean, in the way that a person can fall in love with an animal, like, not in the way that the shape of water happens not so that we have mermaids but you know because like spoiler alert like she falls in love with the fish man and they go and live in the dirty dirty baltimore river water (laughs) it's from a way to happiness yeah i know i i don't know i don't know i think he's gonna easily dodge that accusation yeah and it also turns out that like the 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 deaf character i can't remember her name right now but like, she's mute. She's mute, but she's also like a fish, huh? I mean, the, like, okay. Yeah. Have you? Who has seen The Shape of Water? Has everyone seen it? Yeah. 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 She had those like, uh, spoiler alert, those slits on her neck, and supposedly she was like part fish, or and that's why she can't speak. Right. There's a lot of different interpretations, I guess. So, I'm wondering what the purpose of even filing this lawsuit is. I feel like going against someone like Guillermo del Toro is such a clear you're gonna lose that... The, yeah. the purpose is that, that The Shape of Water won Best Picture and made a shit ton of money. And if they could prove it in court, then they would get a, a cut of that. 
They get but, all that money. Like they, some of it. Well, okay, obviously there's that, but they kind of know they're not going to win. Like, that's what I, I'm, how I'm I feeling. I can believe, I can believe that this guy saw this and was like, this is vaguely similar to my work and like convinced himself that he was plagiarized, in which God. case he, you know, thrice armed is he whose quarrel is just, so he believes right. he is right. I mean, but like, really, like the well of ideas, somebody was bound to make a something, a, a human falls in love with an aquatic sentient being. I think movie. the Simpsons have done that. The Simpsons have done everything. They really have. Um, they predicted Trump. I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> So to move on, we do also have a, a um, publication from The Ripped Bodice, which is a all-romance novel um, bookstore in California, and it is the State of Racial Diversity in Romance Publishing Report 2017. Did Who put this on there? I think I did a while ago. I read it and I yeah, was like, oh, this is interesting. It's interesting because there is a lot of, like, you know, the state of uh, publishing, you know, records and reports and it's all about like money and uh sometimes it's there are gender like equality questions on there but mostly it's not and this is specifically about racial diversity in publishing which is i mean this bookstore is really taking uh steps to you know start this conversation and it's just the it's the whole thing that we found out with with like the release of black panther was like if you put black people on the cover of things and and stuff like that and make a black centric story that isn't like high erotic because that's also an issue with black some black romance novels is that it's really just like african it's it's classified within the library system and within bookstores as african-american erotica because there is an expectation that this is just going to be like non-stop bumping and grinding so it's going to be like normal erotica then yeah but like but it's the whole idea that black women and black men just fuck all the time. Well, and I mean, like, a lot of regular erotica is like that as well. Yeah, I think, or like is... and like for like African American erotica, like there is no story, and a lot of them do have stories and plots, but a lot yeah. of them have fed into the well. If they want all of the sex, then we'll give them all of the sex. And for the most part, like black romance readers, like we, like you know, those of us who do read romance novels, like we take it because it's all that we have. Right. And when you have like a wide variety of like romance novels with uh, the center of white characters where the story centers around them, like you got everything from like high erotica to like Amish romance. Right. (laughs) Black romance readers don't get that for characters that look like us. Right. I have noticed a lot of it is like very stereotypical. Yeah, there's not a lot of diversity in representation if that makes sense for black romance novels yeah um like it's all i can i can pretty much run down a black romance novel for you right now a stereotypical (laughs) black man black romance novel for you right now okay check it (laughs) you have a girl she's from the wrong side of town she's from the hood or the ghetto but she's smart and she's street smart and she's a little bit book smart and she's hustling and bustling her way through like you know the big ugly city usually you know new york or atlanta one of the two <laughs> and you know she's making her money she don't care about these men in these streets she's a heartbreaker and a ball buster and then and then she meets a man <laughs> and she meets a man she has to decide whether or not she's going to quit the game for or she you know 
gonna turn a hoe into a housewife. <laughs> Jesus can go, Christ. It can go one of two ways. Either she decides the pull of the game is too strong and she can't leave it, or she decides to, like, you know, quit all her ways and go with this man. And sometimes <laughs> he's either a pastor or a drug dealer. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> either a pastor or a drug dealer. Those are your options. Why can't he be both? <laughs> there are some stories he's both. Well, he a man yeah. of God, but he also slinging that rock. And, like... Okay, well, man of God don't need to sling no rock. He can just stick with pot. It's like, but no, it can't be pot, Emily. It has to be, like, heroin. Like, oh. It has to be one of the hardest street drugs you could buy on the street. Like, Well, I just, um, I I can't remember if we talked about this book, but we I read this book called A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. Yeah. It was a, it's about this uh, young woman who is a grad student in a STEM field, and it's basically like Wakanda, the romance novel, and it's the best. <laughs> but it's like, it's this, you know, I think there's a change in representation coming. She is a grad student. Um, I, I, I want to say in like, shit, I have no idea. I think she's Chemistry. in like, yeah, I think she's in like, she's in STEM somewhere. She's in like hardcore STEM. And she meets this guy, the prince, because he... They were, like, betrothed as infants, and for some reason she got, uh, her parents died on a trip to America, and she got put in the foster care system, etc., etc., and then he came looking for her, and it's such a good book. It is so good that I'm gonna read the second one that is not about them. <laughs> but it's it's good that there's, like, a, a, a change in representation coming. Yeah, and there's always you been know? people, there's always been, like, black authors, black romance authors, who have always written non-black erotica. Uh-huh. Like, yes. Who, like, you have Beverly Jenkins, you have, oh god, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she's, like, a big name as well. And I need to find her name. And, like, they've been in this game, like, 20, 25 years, and writing <laughs> non-erotica, spanning everything from, like, historical romance to, like, Christian women's like romance to like thriller romances and like yeah. there's sex in their books but it's not like it's not super descriptive it's not like for the purpose of extreme titillation it's not pornography yeah so yeah there are people who've been doing this for a very long time but they often don't get the same push in market as like you know the blonde white girl and the swarthy shirtless white dude on the cover <laughs> Right. Um, I see, Emily, that you put on here the New York Times sues to have Harper Lee's will unsealed. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, poor Harper Lee. This lady's legacy just can't seem to, like, be put to last. So basically, um, she had a, a will uh-huh. that she had changed about a week before she died. And in that will, she basically entrusts uh, a lot of things to her actual trust, which uh, the person who is in control of is her longtime lawyer, uh, Miss Carter. So Miss Carter basically controls most of her estate and most of her works and uh, the right to make them into adaptations and what have you. And... Uh, the New York Times basically filed a lawsuit saying that the will should be open for the public as a 
a way to for the public's right to know, basically. Whoa. And the the lawyer is basically arguing, like, no, Lee was a private person. She wouldn't want everyone to read her will. But at the same time, people are constantly questioning whether or not the stuff that's happening around Lee's works or what she wants. I mean... Right. She was a very private person on her own. She never really wanted, supposedly go set the Watchmen to be released and now it's out and now you have uh, To Kill a Mockingbird has, I want to say there's like a comic book coming out and like and a graphic oh novel. some other uh, graphic novel coming out and like potential talk of other like media so like things that Lee never wanted this thing to come are starting yeah. to like become the potential to be a franchise now that she's dead and I think people are questioning the uh, I hate to say they're questioning, like, the authenticity of the will, but I feel like people are kind of like, whoa, whoa, she wasn't really in the right state of mind eight days before she died. Right. Can we actually do this? So I think this is the first push in someone kind of trying to be like, you know, is this what she wants? Would she not want this kind of deal? But at this point, I feel like this poor lady just, she wrote a really amazing book and she didn't really want the fame from it. And now it's like constantly just haunting yeah it's like let her let her rest in peace my god everybody well i mean i think this is a part of it is like there is reason to question this lawyer's word on what harper lee put in her will absolutely yeah i don't know if everyone needs to read it no i don't think everybody needs to read it no um i mean i can't even think of who would be a partial judge on this and, like, not the New York Times, because, like, they just... I mean, I think partially they want to print it, and partially they want to know, you know? Yeah, but, like, but does her will... Okay, they sue to have it read or whatever, but, like, does her will need to be public record? Like, do we all need to see it? Because I don't think we do. I think if people right. are, you know, concerned, and, um, like, the, the people who are suing and stuff like that are concerned about what state of mind Harper Lee was in when she signed this will or, or ratified her will eight days before she died, that's fine. But I don't think the rest of us need to know. Right. Yes, I think you're right. And I think I, I'm just trying to think of a scenario and like who gets to read the will and decide it's okay. Like, so we don't trust the lawyer because clearly I, I think something's up with that. Who do we trust to read yeah. this right. will? And say it's okay. Maybe the ladies at the Ripped Bodice, they seem to be doing all right. <laughs> I mean, she did not know what she was signing up for when she wrote that book, I guess. She really didn't. God bless her. I've, I read To Kill a Mockingbird either in middle school or, like, my freshman year. And it's a good book, but I personally don't understand, like, people just grabbing hold of it and not letting it go. Um, I mean, I think it because it sells. I think part of it is that this book is... Um, uh, has a lot of uh, adoption in course materials, which sure. means a lot of money for the publisher. Sure. And so that is just an evergreen source of money. And it has been making money for years and years and will continue to make money for years and years and years. And so I think that's why everyone is pretty um, into it. But on a lighter note, um, there is this cute article about a woman who wrote her novel at a tire store and now they are her biggest fans. Yeah. So she, she writes like, 
It's adorable. She writes like romance novels and she was really stuck one day and she went to get her tires rotated and she wrote a lot. And so she wanted to go back and she got a friend's car and got their tires rotated <laughs> and just like kept on until she ran out of cars. Yeah. And she um, started showing I, up. But like, they were just like, you can just sit here right here. That's fine. Yeah. Basically, the um, this guy sent her an email that was like, I'm the general general manager and I uh, tried to come say hi to you but I missed you please reach out next time you come in I would love to meet you also you're completely welcome to spend as much time in the store as you want Um, (laughs) to the point where they set up like a little writing nook for her (laughs) yeah they set up a little writing nook for her and they gave her all this like swag and then every time her books come out, they have, like, a big sign out front that is, like, a marquee. And so they have, like, her latest book is done! And it is adorable. It's just the cutest thing ever. What kind of books does she write, does it say? She writes romance novels. Did she write a romance novel about, like, a mechanic? That would be awesome. I That'd hope so. That would be hilarious. Good for her. I mean, if she found a place that she could, like, be inspired or could, like, shut out the rest of the world and work... Yeah. Kudos for them for letting her, like, maintain it. I like this Facebook post that says, After an extensive search, tires, 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 is pleased to announce that our writers-in-residence for 2018, Amy does. Oh, they're announcing that she's their writer-in-residence. And her name is Amy Dawes, Amy D-A-W-S. So check out her books, all written in tires, tires, tires. It's like... Adorable. Yeah, like she was there so much that she just got, she started having food delivered there. <laughs> She's like, I'm just here all the time. The pictures that accompany the BuzzFeed article are just adorable. They're like her in the place with like a tires, tires, tires cap and like with her pen and everything. Real quick, I wanted to mention that if you guys have seen the um, posters for Genius, the next season of Genius, that is uh, about Pablo Picasso. I'm not terribly interested in Pablo Picasso or the last season, Albert Einstein, but next season is Mary Shelley, and I am going to be all over that. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I am. I saw the ad for that in my Nat Geo magazine, and I got super excited. I for mean, the Mary like, Shelley one? Yeah. I mean, nice. Mary Shelley reached peak goth before any of us could even try to reach peak goth. Right. Like, the woman lost her virginity on her mother's grave. Like, what? She also learned to spell her name. Her father taught her how to spell her name by going to her mother's grave yeah. to trace the name, which is just like, what? She carried her husband's heart around with her after he died. Like, it is just like, Mary Shelley is peak goth. Like, there is no higher excited. level. Very excited. Uh, Megan, do you want to tell us about this uh, trademark controversy? I think this is hilarious. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So this white woman, <laughs> or this white woman, who writes under the name Fenelia Hopkins, uh, decided that she was going to copyright the word cocky because she has a whole She's book trademark. series. She trademarks the word copy. She trade she yeah, she trademarked the she trademarks the word cocky because she has this whole series about like this cocky band of brothers, girl, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so she started <laughs> sending out like cease and desist orders to people who happen to have cocky in their book title. To indie authors. And to indie That's authors. Awful. And and she was also like targeting whether this was intentional or not, like indie authors of color. Oh, that's awful. So so yeah, and everybody's just like, yo, girl, you can't do this. Yeah, there was 
there was a huge backlash against her over Twitter, especially, um, I follow Jenny Trout, and she's yeah. hilarious, but she oh was just, God. like, dragging her all the way through everything. It's just like, because yeah. it's, it's insane. Everybody uses the word cocky. Like, there are only so many words There's that so many- are used in romance novels. I'm not entirely sure how trademarks work. I know if she had copyrighted the word cocky, she would not have been able to do it because it's in such common use. Yeah. And that is that is how, like, for instance, uh, Velcro wants you to, instead of saying, I have Velcro on my shoes, you're mm-hmm. supposed to say, I have a system of interlocking hoops and hooks on my <laughs> shoes because if Velcro becomes common, common parlance, they will lose their copyright. Gotcha. And... I mean, it is common parlance already, so they can let it go. But I don't know how trademark works, because if it were copyright, she definitely would not have a valid point about the copyright. Like, I don't don't think she has a valid point now. I think if someone challenged it in court, it would probably be overturned. I don't think you can copyright something that everybody uses all the time. Especially in the genre that you're in. Like, how many... Like, how many... Like, Amazon book deals do you see that have, like, cocky in the title for, like, a romance novel for, like, 99 cents or for free? Like, there are so many. You can't stop everybody from doing that. It's it's so presumptuous, and it's so, like, egotistical. (laughs) And just to see, like, Jenny Trout, because apparently this author, Fenella Hopkins, also made a video that is an hour and 39 minutes long. Jesus Christ. Addressing all the cyberbullying and the mob of haters she's getting <laughs> over this. And I'm like, just going to drink the white woman tears. <laughs> and like, and Jenny Chad is just like, I watched this video so you don't have to. <laughs> she has a list of highlights, which include like, um, you're mad because you're jealous of her fame and success. Bring on the hate, she can take it. But she also has to have someone read the mean comments because she can't. She has to protect oh. herself. So you're oh literally God. just like, went against like your previous point. Like, girl, what? Yeah, it's just all of these things. Um, like, and like and she isn't hurting authors. She sent takedown notices to their readers are hurting, hurt, hurting these authors by attacking her and the thing is that where she says the she's not hurting the authors she is actually yeah they have to rename all of their books and then uh so a takedown notice is a legal document and if if we're talking copyright if you send a takedown notice to someone on amazon on any website the website will take it down for you yeah like you will be blocked and there's no like there's no jury process in this. Yeah. They uh, have to, yeah, they have to take it down whether it's full Just uh, to cover their asses. Right. So the law states that if this is them doing their due diligence, if they yeah. don't take it down immediately, they are opening themselves to lawsuit. Yeah. And so she is absolutely hurting them. And then in order to get them back up, she has, they have to rename them and get new covers because again the covers have the titles on them and that creates confusion in the marketplace but it also you know it just it it hurts all of these authors yeah and like and there's also like a twitter like somebody on twitter like went through like step by step all the stuff like condensing it 
in a series of in a tweet thread essentially just to for people who are confused because information is coming from everywhere and apparently if what this person is saying is true that Fenella Hopkins contacted a lawyer for all of this and apparently like was using his letterhead to send cease and desist orders Mm. Oh my god. And didn't and Wait, wait. So she didn't even have the official lawyer sending him? No, she was she sending them herself. Made up- wait, oh that god. must be illegal. Yeah, it's actually it's- not. It's it's an intimidation ta- tactic. Yeah. But like yeah, it's not illegal. What was that noise? It was my um horrified <laughs> surprise noise. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, it's oh, not oh. illegal, unfortunately. And the reason, and the reason you can't come after Philip Hopkins for doing this is because she's a descendant of a slave, so you can't attack her. That's right. She's a meme. Her name is Felina. I think that is just, and the hashtag that has come up around this is by Felina, which is yeah, just <laughs> terribly funny. Or cocky gate, and I'm just like Jesus Christ. Like how? Like how? <laughs> how are we here? Like how did we get here, you guys? Like what is this? Like are, you have nothing to do like maybe if your books aren't selling it's because your books are terrible yeah. it has nothing to do with other people using the word cocky in their titles like maybe it's time for some self-reflection and like <laughs> and looking at what how you have exacerbated the situation and what you can do to like you know you know like treat it but she's not going to do that because she's like on a roll and she's going to keep doing no. this and like and it's put her name in you know in the book news sphere of of the internet and all that stuff so yeah anyway if you go to uh jennytrout.com her blog there's a blog post all about the whole drama it's very interesting she's a very good writer and very interesting so that woman has so Um, many pen names my god she does she has a ton (laughs) of pen names and it's funny because she uses some pen names like I'm just gonna phone this book in and like write some trash and she uses a certain pen name for that and then yeah. I'm gonna really try on this book and she uses a different pen name for that so you know what you're getting yeah uh, <laughs> and uh, the last one I have is that uh, the book Cersei by Madeline Miller um, debuted at number one on Amazon but not because uh, people really wanted to buy it it's because Target um, had a glitch in their online store that cost it out for um three dollars and so amazon its algorithm picked that up and cost it for 2.99 and so everyone bought this dumb book Uh, the editor for um uh i apologize for calling it a dumb book it's not a dumb book um the editor for book riot uh tweeted it out and they put it on their podcast and stuff and so everyone bought this book and it debuted at number one, but they all sold the book for like $3. So that's not great. It's okay oh. for the author. The author gets that money. Yeah. Um, but I think Amazon and Target have to eat it. Yeah, they do. Which cool. serves them right. Um, anyway, that was that's the sequel to um, Achilles. Song of it's Achilles, It's not the sequel. Yeah. It's it's the it's another book by the same author as song of achilles so oh i love the song of achilles now yeah. i'm really bummed that i didn't see that this book was three dollars <laughs> right point. yeah i totally would have grabbed it because it's 
$14 for my Kindle now, and I refuse to pay that much for a Kindle book. I'll have right. to wait until it goes back on sale. Yeah. And that's the thing. But, it, when people were seeing this discount, the Kindle version was $14. And they're like, um, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but they got the physical book for $3. Wow. Well, there's a lot of books where you can actually get the physical version cheaper than the digital one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That may be a a factor of the new pricing scheme they have where you can uh, earn the, or you can bid for the buy button, um, which is a problem for a lot of publishers. uh, Because, like, basically it matters for the gray book market when publishers publish books overseas. Like, if you're going to publish a book in English in India... You're not going to have it be $30. That's going to really close your market off. So you make it cheaper in India because the um, average, uh, what's it called, salary is cheaper. And then people buy a ton of those books and ship them to America and then undercut the publisher's price. And so this kind of gray market books, it's not illegal um, because copyright laws you have the right of first sale so you can resell the book that's allowed yeah it's it and that has been a big deal it's gonna get worse because of this amazon buyback button um but just to go back to the uh felina hopkins thing because i was reading through the twitter thread uh that i was talking about and yeah. to add more comic to this story apparently the font that she was using for her book titles uh-huh. It's copyrighted by somebody else. Ha-ha. <laughs> and so she's trying to copyright cocky with this particular font. Nope. And That's not the, how that works, my friend. And the designer of the font is just like, I never said she could do that. <laughs> oh, I hope she gets sued. So hard. So hard. It's like, That's funny. She just, That's you're just she wrong gets. on all fronts. On all yeah. fronts. Yeah. Megan, do you have a story from the trench? Um, I mean, somebody broke our door at work. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know who? No, we don't know. We were looking at the cameras and stuff, but um, but we don't know who threw a rock at our main entrance window and caused it to spider, like, to cause a glass to break and the spider. And, and we have to wait for it to get fixed because we have to, like, call, you know, people and get it approved and stuff like that so right now we only have one door um but it's been pretty quiet at the library like yeah surprisingly it's been kind of quiet i mean like you know we've had to issue some trespassing orders and stuff like that we had somebody in the middle of the library screaming racist and xenophobic stuff but that's like that's common every day that's like tuesday yeah that really is tuesday at the library, so, I mean, that's it. <laughs> um, I am going to give over my stories from the trenches so that you guys can read your B Minute, because it seems like you have a couple. Storm Squad! Um, you want to go first, Liz, or you want me to no, go No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so, again, it's a little late, but, uh, bees in your backyard on, uh, Twitter, which is a, uh, uh, online kind of group that helps promote uh, native bees that you would find in your area released on May 4th of this year uh, a photo of a type of cuckoo bee uh, called Tripeloas remigelatus 
Okay. I don't think that's right. That's um, okay. Anyway, um, I'm failing as an entomologist. I apologize, guys. It's been a while since I've had to pretend to know Latin. That's okay. Uh, but basically, it has the Star Wars Rebel symbol on its um, on its first or on its abdomen. Okay. Has the Star Wars Rebel Alliance logo on it. Ah, that's awesome. I see this picture. So, uh, it's just kind of a little Star Wars nerdiness out there. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, apparently, there is something in D.C. called the um, Swarm Squad. The D.C. Beekeepers Alliance Swarm Squad. And what they do is, if there is a swarm of bees in a location where they usually are not, um, like in a tree outside where someone lives or something, these volunteers... (laughs) Um, have their phones, like, keep their phones always on in case they get a warning that they need to come oh and God. capture the bees <laughs> and put them back where they belong. So one of them keeps a kit kit in his car, which includes a box, a bucket, and a beekeeper suit. Wow. Um, and it's just to save the swarm of bees. That's so It's cute. pretty nuts. And I think it's adorable and they should have a show. So okay. somebody literally so, sends out, like, the bat symbol for bees. Basically, <laughs> bee you symbol. just have to call them. Just a moment. If you live in D.C., you can call them at 202-255-4318. We'll put that um, in the show notes. And you can also find, you know, more information about them if you Google them, I'm sure. Awesome. It's really, so, it's cool. really lovely. <laughs> I was like, can you imagine, like, being out on a date with some dude, and he was just like, I'm sorry, I have to go. Why? He looks off in the Marry middle distance. Marry him. It was like, look, looks off in the middle distance. Just like, the bees need me. <laughs> I would marry him. That's it. I'd be done. So, it's actually pretty common. Um, in pretty much every place, you're going to find some local beekeepers that are willing to come get swarms that you find. We've got a whole list of them in the extension office for all the ones in our county. So if you live outside of the D.C. area and you find a swarm, you can call your local extension office and ask for local beekeepers. And most of them, at the potential to get a new swarm, to start a new hive, will pretty readily come out and get them. That's Um, awesome. Makes sense. So, yeah. Cool. Learn something new about bees every single day. (laughs) An essential service that we didn't even know, I didn't know, existed. I need to save so, the bees, goddammit. I mean, Swarm uh, Squad, nothing better. I, I would watch this reality TV show. I would like, watch I really need a, a show. Like the, I, wa- I would watch a Brooklyn Nine-Nine version of this. <laughs> that would be the best. I'm just picturing all of those reality TV shows that were on, like, Discovery for a while. Yes. Like, you could totally still oh, have yeah. this be a show. For oh, sure. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah, Dr. Pole has got nothing on DC Swarm Squad. <laughs> okay, so we're on to book recommendations. Would anyone like to go first? I can start. Um, okay. So this is a really older book. Um, it's The Paradise Snare by Anne C. Crispin. It's part of the Han Solo trilogy. Okay. I bought my husband the trilogy, Han Solo trilogy, by her ages ago. It was actually uh-huh. kind of hard to find. And I read it and I really liked it. It was really clever. Um, learned a lot more about the Star Wars universe. I'm kind of new to being, like, really into it. Um, yeah. A lot of excellent 
hut action. Very interested okay. in the huts now. <laughs> Very invested in their species. Is um, there more than one? Yes. Oh, there's so I, much to learn about the huts, Emily. They are. Okay. <laughs> they can change genders, like nice. whenever are they, they just, want. Are they just and like have giant babies. worms? They nice. can have babies whenever they want to. They just have to change genders. That sounds like awesome. like what species are the huts? They're huts. They're huts. I mean, like yeah. I mean, like but like what species are they mimicking? The hut species. I mean, <laughs> that's their species. Girl, girl look at hut. a hut and then tell me what it reminds you of. Then I, I guess I mean, that's like would a, be it looks the like answer. a worm. It looks like a worm, like a giant. I mean, like, I've never worm. seen a worm like that with Slug a face thing. like that, like giant eyes. It's a face. It's a face only a mother could love. Basically, <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I really like them, and I'm really sad. Like, I'm going to see the solo movie, and I'll probably enjoy it, but, like, I think these would have been really great movies. Okay. I'm kind of bummed. Kind of bummed these aren't I mean, be to be movies. fair, Disney owns the franchise. They could still be made into movies. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess they're not canon anymore, but I guess they could canonize oh. them. I don't know. They need to get their shit together. <laughs> I just assume that all the Star Wars novels were canon until somebody they're told not. them differently. No, no because Leia had twin children. Yeah. And unless she somehow forgot she had twins, <laughs> then that's or, not how this works. Or like Kylo Ren just killed his twin or ray is his twin but then why would she have forgotten anyway let's not talk about this right now i have a lot of feelings anyway, ray's not a skywalker good. if you're interested in the eu i would recommend it there's giant cat aliens cat aliens it's delightful it's just really delightful to read there's cults awesome. all in all a great time <laughs> A, a good, good, clean fun. Yeah. So I recommend a graphic novel series called Clean Room by Gail Simone, Walter yeah. Giovanni, Sonia Anwar, and Quentin Winter. And it is essentially, uh, there's only three uh, volumes of it out right now, but it's essentially about uh, a woman who can see demons that have inhabited people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's created, like, this kind of cult around, like, this belief system and all of this stuff. And you get introduced to this uh, world via a character whose boyfriend, or fiancé, rather, when she, when he figures out why this, uh, this head of this organization, this belief system, um, started this whole thing, commit suicide... Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's just like, why did he do this? Why did he do this? And then so she's transported into the like this organization and all this crazy shit. And it's a horror graphic novel series. And it's really, really good. And I really, really like it. Nice. And uh, Gail Simone is one of the, she's like the OG feminist comic book author. So yeah. she's she's written a lot of essays on feminism in comic books. And she's she also wrote... Um, She's done a lot of different comics, but her most recently famous one is, um, crap, what was it? Oh, I can't remember, but she's, she's done a lot. Yeah, it's a really good, like, if you like horror graphic novels, I recommend, you know, people reading it. Like, it's, it's a lot less gory than you think it is. Like, there are elements and moments, obviously, but it's not as bad as, as it pertains at like at mm-hmm. you think horror graphic novel and you think blood gut intestines and it's not that bad okay so my book recommendation is uh dread nation by justine ireland i need to read this i've book. heard about I this book yeah oh my god it was so good i could not <laughs> put it down 
Um, so the premise behind this book is that you basically had in the middle of the Civil War, zombies appear. <laughs> uh, they call them shambles in the book, but are shamblers. Uh, but basically, yeah, you're in the middle of the Civil War and zombies appear. So basically everyone's like, okay, we can't fight over the Civil War anymore. We have to like fight zombies. And out of this kind of need to survive, they kind of do this weird thing where they're like, Black people aren't, aren't slaves anymore, but you guys have to, like, go learn how to fight so you can kill all the zombies and protect the white people so they're still sort of slaves, but instead of working in a field, they're killing zombies. Wow. Um, so it's, it's really kind of uh, backhanded in that way. Uh, and it's not just uh, African Americans. It's, like, basically all people of color have to learn how to fight zombies to save white people because white people can't do anything for ourselves as infomercials have made it very clear uh but the story basically follows uh jane uh, mckinley who is about ready to graduate from miss preston school of combat for young ladies where she was basically been sent to train to learn how to fight zombies and as part of their training as well as weapons they also learn things like etiquette and basic like math and reading skills but she really loves to read which is kind of very much frowned upon but uh so she's basically getting ready to graduate from there and she really just wants to go back home and a whole bunch of people are like no no you want to be an attendant you want uh, a wealthy white woman to kind of like take you on so that you have a, a job and you can do your part to save white america uh, <laughs> and <laughs> what basically happens is she has a a friend who has a younger sister who is staying with, um, so she's a friend who's, again, this is like civil war time. So if you even have like, what is it, like the one sixteenth African blood in you, you count as being like black. Okay. So she has a friend who has a younger sister who basically looks very white. So there's a family that kind of took her in to kind of like shelter her from yeah. having to not go to these combat schools. And that family goes missing. And her friend kind of shows up and is like, Jane, you owe me one because I keep smuggling all these books and newspapers for you. So you got to help me figure out where my little sister went. So needless to say, adventures and shenanigans ensue. I loved this book, and it also takes place in Baltimore, which I thought was really cool because ah, we cool. all live in Maryland. And I was in Baltimore when it got released, so I was, like, sitting there reading it while on a bus going through Baltimore. <laughs> nice. So, needless to say, I'm not one who always loves zombie books, but I really liked the fact that this was, like, a alternative history with zombies in it. And Jane, I found to be a really well-rounded characters she's quirks that you really love and then she does things where you're like oh girl you're stupid don't do that <laughs> but um but yeah so i highly recommend it that's awesome i i that's been on my list for a while so i'm excited i legit have a uh, copy of it sitting on my nightstand right now and i have yet to yeah. read it that being said the cover is gorgeous as well i feel like the cover really made me like i knew i wanted to to read it the second I saw the cover, even before I read the premises behind it. Um, my suggestion is actually a romance novel. It's called Act Like It by Lucy Parker, and it's about actors on the West End in London, and it's just so well written. Like, someone recommended this to me, and I was very skeptical, um, because it just looks like every other romance novel, but 
it does is, it have cocky in the title? <laughs> it does not, incidentally, have cocky in the title. But it is so well written, that, and it's the author's debut novel, um, and it's just, it's so good. I could not put it down. I read the second one, which is less well written, but still pretty good. So, yeah, I would suggest it. If you are in need of a nice romance novel... Uh, go for it. And I think that's all we have for today. Uh, thanks for listening, readers. Join us next time when we talk about The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin. And uh, keep on reading, readers. Bye! Why don't you start, Megan, with the update from our story that we talked about? Okay, so uh, this is an update about the Kati trademark uh, story that we mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, so apparently, as of 514, the trademark status for the work Kaki by Hop Hop Productions was mm-hmm. updated to cancellation pending. Ha ha. Um... And essentially, I think it boils down to, like, you have no basis for this. Yeah. Like, like you, ma'am, ma'am, get out of my courtroom. <laughs> I think in order to copyright something, it has to be unique to you. And, like, that is definitely not. It's just not. So, does, yeah. does this mean I can write a book series called The Cockiest Cockier about a woman who writes cocky romance novels who falls for a cocky man? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. and actually, and apparently, a collection of authors have gotten together and written cocktails, the Cocky Collective. Oh my god, I love that! <laughs> as a as a response to this woman's batshit craziness. Did you see that Beverly Jenkins weighed in on this whole controversy? I did. I can't. Um, I didn't access her tweets, but I saw that she was just like, "Get out of here." I'll I'll read it to you because it's beautiful because she's such a great writer. Oh, here we go. Okay. There's no H-E-A, which stands for happily ever after, in trying to trademark basic words. All you get is your cocky head on a pike outside the gates of Romance Landia forever. (laughs) I like that. Thanks, (laughs) Beverly Jenkins. God bless her. Uh, She's so good. And also, there was also another writer named Heidi McLaughlin who tried to trademark the word forever. Oh, so I see. That was the comment that she used forever as well. Yeah. And and she was just like, people were just like, no, girl, you saw what this road went to. What, why are you doing this? You she was like, I, yeah, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I just have, I just had issues with identity theft in the past. And I was just trying to, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she just rescinded the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> the person who tried to copyright forever or trademark forever. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's like, no, no, no. I don't want any of that. I don't want it. I don't want it. Okay. I changed my mind. I will now name my entire book series Forever Cocky. <laughs> and apparently, and apparently, the writers, uh, Penny Reed, seems to be the lead writer for the Cocktails anthology series, and all the proceeds are going to go to anybody who was fighting um, the author who tried to trademark Cocky. So they're writing this in order to help people who were sued and helped them financially with like fighting this goddamn woman. Wow. How did we get here is my uh, question. 
seriously, it's like, you really got to, like, copyright the word cock? Like, girl, what is wrong with you? The caucasity. The <laughs> caucasity. 